Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Fantasy Alarm uh, Hockey Podcast. I am joined, as always, uh, by my esteemed colleague, uh, Chris Moran. How are you doing tonight, Chris? I'm doing well, Andrew. How are you? Oh, not too bad. Uh, we finally have an NHL schedule. And when I say finally, I mean we've, probably, we've had it for about a week, but this is our first time recording since it came out. Uh, we have had nothing short of a flurry of NHL news over the last uh, two weeks since we last recorded as well. Uh, so plenty to talk about. Uh, I think the first thing we want to, I want to get into at least, is, is talking about the schedule uh, and giving maybe a sneak peek of the first few days for uh, for any of the folks out there who are chomping at the DFS bit. Uh, I know I am looking forward to act- to seeing real hockey again. I mean, we've got the World Juniors going on right now, uh, which isn't really all that interesting until we hit the until we hit the actual like play down rounds. As of right now, it seems like every score is about six one, ten one, things like that. Uh, but uh, Chris, did you have any any initial impressions just taking a look at the, the first few days of the schedule? I mean, I'm just happy hockey is, is finally returning. A schedule means that there is some norm, some normalcy will come back to life. There's something to look for every day. There's trying to figure out when will Martin Jones play, who can I stack against him, and how many goals did Chicago give up the night before. That's that's what I'm really looking forward to in this upcoming DFS season, and that's what the schedule to me has been turned around. But no, it's really nice to just have one um, first day of the slate as well. It's got some pretty big games, pretty big matchups, some pretty pretty expensive superstars to pick. Once FanDuel and DraftKings put out a slate, we can debate for days and days as to which superstar do we want to pay up for and why is that opinion wrong. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, I mean, looking at day one, we've got Pittsburgh at Philadelphia, we've got Chicago at Tampa, we've got St. Louis at Colorado, Vancouver at Edmonton, Montreal at Toronto. Uh, we don't even have times yet for Vancouver at Edmonton and Montreal, Toronto. I don't see, I mean, uh, given the time slots, like Tor- Montreal at Toronto is going to be 7 o'clock. I don't see how that's not going to be the case. Uh, Vancouver at Edmonton, I see probably filling in around like 9.30 uh, based on where the other ones sit. Uh, but yeah, I mean, man, what like, it's a dog's breakfast. Like nothing stands out. You got a lot of really good goalies on day one. Uh, outside of, I, I think, uh, Vancouver at Edmonton uh, and obviously Chicago. Uh, but with Kucherov being out for the season, I don't like, I think Tampa's going to be, super chalky day one i think everyone's gonna go there uh which means cash games is like get braden point or stamkos or i guess probably headman uh and you know see if malcolm suban knows how to catch a puck uh i or i guess it could be colin Delia. we don't really know at this point um but yeah otherwise it's like how like what's the pricing structure going to look like um like is is McKinnon going to be the top, the most expensive player? Is it going to be McDavid or Drysaddle? Could it be Matthews? I don't know. Um, I, I know just taking a look at the slate though, like outside of Chicago, I wonder if like if I had to guess at a lineup today, I, I would probably start at Colorado. I'd probably start at McKinnon. Uh, Bennington looked shaky at the end of last year. Um, also, I mean, Edmonton at Vancouver, we've got Thatcher Demko. We might see Braden Holpe night one. So you could see some stacking there. Uh, and I wonder about maybe using Carey Price night one at Toronto. Um, I think Toronto's going to be real heavy. I think, I mean, <clears throat> my, my fear in almost any night where there's, there's a, a Maple Leafs game, and especially on opening night, is you do get a massive amount of Toronto bias. And sometimes you get like, if Toronto was to score six goals, you just lose the rest of the slate because Maple Leaf diehards just stacked Maple Leafs to no end and you you end up with nothing at that come up last year. Um, But those are some things I see here as, as maybe places to look. Um, 
But yeah, I'm probably just going to avoid Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, unless the pricing is really good. Hey, Chris. Um, well, I mean, you left out in the Tampa Bay uh, game here. You just completely glanced over Andre Palat, who is going to be the chalk of chalk, right? Because he's going to probably join the big boys on the top line. Unless it's Alex Kalorn, which would make me much happier because he's probably going to join the big boys on the top power play unit. So lots of top line stacking with PP correlation as well. So that's kind of nice. It's kind of what I like to pick on there. Um, definitely will be in, you know, you can say I'm a homer in this, but, you know, Montreal Toronto usually ends up in a high scoring affair. That should not change night one. Uh, I'm excited for Leafs Nation to continue to tell me that their defense has gotten better. And then I look at their defense and say, okay, sure. And then just stack against it. Probably that's where my GPP lineup will go. I'll have some combination of, you know, whoever is playing with Nick Suzuki. That's who I'm going to focus on because that's who I want to watch. And who knows? Maybe the right players will join him on the top power play unit and we can get a power play correlation stack there as well. But I'm not holding out for that. But who knows? You know, maybe 2021 brings some completely different changes and Claude Julian decides to put a power play that makes sense together. (laughs) But again, not going to hold out for that. I will say this, though. Um, Edmonton, Vancouver on that. I do want to get a piece of Edmonton. I hope Vancouver starts Braden Holpe so he can get lit up on night one, make him worth every dollar that they went out to spend. And as much as everybody's going to be looking at that top line, right? So I'm assuming McDavid's going to play with Nugent Hopkins. Who knows who fills out there on the right wing? But I'm going to have a lot of Leon Dreisaitl and Kaylor Yamamoto. I'm assuming Yamamoto's price tag is going to be a little bit soft to start the year, which sounds, you know, okay. Um, I would take him as well if he played on the top line as well with McDavid. Any combination of him playing with one of those two would be okay with me. Uh, he's not going to see any top power play time because James the Ageless Neal is still there. But, hey, I'll I'll take the discount at the price point if it's okay. Tyson Berry, I'm excited to see what he can do on a power play that operated at almost 30% all of last season. So I expect him to really fill the net with some goals, a ton of assists, work his way into a $8 million contract next season for seven years. Yeah, it's a good point about Tyson Berry. That really is the best possible landing place for him in, in free agency. And um, he has nobody to challenge him for that top power play spot either. Well, I think the only true challenge here, and that's, uh, I haven't completely followed up on the rules here. And that's going to be what dependent on whatever they do with Evan Bouchard. Uh, I mean, I think Bouchard's the real deal. Um, I think we'll talk about him a little bit later, so I'm not going to get too far into that, but I mean, he's definitely the kind of player that can, take care of uh take care of a power play uh move the puck around and like shoots quite a bit and rather well in my experience watching him but uh there's no way that evan bouchard is taking like power play one on day one when they went out and signed tyson berry um montreal is really interesting and not because i think they're going to score a ton of goals i think like montreal's seemingly uh with the signing of your favorite player Corey perry you know, so thank you for bringing um, that up. We're, uh, what, not even 20 minutes in? Okay. Yeah, not even. Um, looking to just, like, I don't know if they're hoping to just grind teams into dust. I mean, they've got all the hits. It's like, <laughs> like I, I couldn't imagine a team that's more ready to go into the first round and just wear a team down than the Montreal Canadiens are right now. Uh, but when I think about, from a DFS perspective, the value of guys like Tyler Toffoli uh, and Brandon Gallagher, who both shoot the puck a ton, uh, you know, ultimately they're going to give you really good value. And if they're not high priced in that opening night, they're really good people to look at to fill in kind of those extra spots where you're not stacking because either it could score a goal. Uh, I expect Gallagher is going to be the more expensive of the, of the two, and rightly so. Um, I think you're going to see some really nice value in Tyler Toffoli. Maybe get a five-shot bonus. Maybe chip in a goal or an assist. Uh, we'll see how all that plays out. But 
I think that's definitely some spots to look at as thing, you know, we'll see more once, uh, once schedules play out. The other odd thing, actually, now that I'm thinking about this, looking at the schedule is, is Philadelphia and Pittsburgh even going to make the DFS slate? Like they're starting at five 30. You're probably going to have a four game slate on night one. Uh, unless they just decide to go all day. Uh, Here's how it's going to be broken down. So FanDuel will include it. DraftKings won't. (laughs) And then we'll have to break our head all day trying to figure out how are we going to build two separate different kind of lineups, completely different strategies, because one site didn't want to include it. That's the only acceptable answer, by the way. That's that would be the exact like that would be 2020 coming into 2021 again. Yeah, more or less. I mean, we saw that a lot in the playoffs last year where you. You're building. You're. Where, I mean, I definitely remember writing up the playbook and being like, and this guy, and then you go and you're filling in the prices, and you're like, oh, wait, what do you mean there's no price here? Yeah. Again, wow, you're not in the lineup. They don't have you in this. Like, you're missing two games in this slate. Awesome. Um, that aside, though, uh, moving on. I mean, I think the Thursday is going to be significantly more exciting. We've got three. We've got six. We've got. We've got a lot of games. I think we got almost 12 games on day two, uh, which means much better matchups. Uh, the most obvious here, I think we got two, at least two two matchups that people are going to really zero in on. Carolina at Detroit, Anaheim at Vegas. Uh, Vegas is still a little bit of an unknown. Uh, we know they got to move some salary to be cap compliant. Uh, I think we've seen just about every name under the sun tossed out there uh, between patch ready. Uh, we've seen Jonathan Marcheseau thrown out there. Uh, I mean, they've been trying to move Mark Andre Fleury, but I don't see that one happening. Uh, so ultimately, I mean, we'll see what Vegas looks like, but that is a nice matchup against Anaheim. Uh, I would definitely be willing to stack Carolina at Detroit, get some, some Aho and, and Svechnikov with some Dougie Hamilton will be, will be really nice there. Um, we'll see what, uh, Igor Shesterkin looks like in night one against the Islanders. Um, and as previously noted, you know, it's either going to be your boy, Martin Jones, or we're going to see Devin Dubnik night one against Arizona, uh, the non goal scoring coyotes. Uh, so we'll see what that one looks like. Uh, I I would be interested to see what, what, uh, Arizona does, uh, uh, and what they look like here going against, I mean, San Jose can't be as bad as they were last year, right? Yes, they can. They're going to still let in a lot of goals because the goalies are bad. But I think they're they're not going to be the second worst scoring team in the league, are they? I don't think they'll be that bad. Here's the thing with San Jose. I'm expecting one person who's going to drop and be like, hey, is Devin Dubnik slash Martin Jones a good play tonight against Arizona? And the first thing I'm going to do is rage on the inside. After I've calmed down, I'm going to say no. Um, those two are an absolute dumpster fire waiting to happen. And that's probably going to set San Jose back a lot. So if you're looking for an opportunity to maybe, again, you should never play San Jose one ever, but somebody's going to talk about it. And there's an opportunity there to look at San Jose and say, okay, I want to go down this pile of, you know, tiers. I'll look at their top line. Their top line is going to do a lot of great things outside of their top line. There's nothing you can really love too much. Uh, I mean, Ryan Donato's there and now he couldn't find a home in, you know, Minnesota. So now he's gone here and he's going to get second line minutes. But outside of Logan Couture, Evander Kane and Timo Meyer, there's not much that I really enjoy. Now, Brent Burns and Eric Carlson are obviously another conversation. I think a, I think a lot of people are down on them just because of how high they've performed for such a long time. Like Brent Burns was basically a cheat code for two years. You just plugged him in and then you built your lineup around him. And Eric Carlson used to score 20 goals in a season. Now, Burns has had a down season, if you want to even call that. Eric Carlson, the same thing. But they were still really, really good last year. So I think there's some there's something to be made there, right? And for whatever reason – we do we do not see those two playing together uh, on the top power play unit. And that's fair, right? You have to find room for Thomas Hurdle as well to get in on the top power play unit. So there's just – there's a whole lot going on. I will say this about Arizona, though. As bad as they are at scoring goals, right, their defense is good. It hasn't gotten worse in the offseason. And their goaltending is the exact opposite of whatever San Jose is. So – 
people are expecting San Jose to just walk into Arizona and start imposing their will. Like that's that's not going to happen here. Um, you know, Derek Broussard signs there today. We'll see where exactly he slots in. Uh, I don't think he actually takes second center spot, but you know, after Derek Stepan was shipped off to Ottawa, someone's got to fill that void, right? And we'll see what Barrett Hayden can do if he starts the year there, what he can bring. There's not much, like I said, to like about this Arizona offense, right? It's kind of yeah. not great. And when you have Connor Garland on your top line, like there's, I get it. There's nothing to really love here. But if you're looking for a cheap, cheap stack, like absolute bottom of the barrel of whatever you're looking for, and you can probably get a lot of these players at a really discounted price, but I mean, Nick Smalls, Christian Dvorak, Clayton Keller, and Oliver ekman Larson is a four-man power play stack. There's, there's not much to hate about that. Yeah, well... I mean, you, you, I'm gonna, you'll pry, but it won't cost you much. Yeah. <laughs> it won't cost you much. Uh, I do have some love for Jacob Chikrin. Um, he does shoot a ton when he's playing. He's a guy I probably will like plug in a lot in those situations, especially in matchups like against San Jose, where it's like, you know what? You put pucks on that and what, 15% of the time they're going to go in? Something like that. They're going to have nights like that where it's just like, well, our goalies were just average tonight. They let in 15% of the shots. They're good another night and they only let in 10. Um, so. Yeah, I, I mean, you're absolutely. I mean, Arizona is a nice place to look. I think looking at Darcy Kemper probably being the night one starter is a good place to start. Uh, if you're going to start at goalie, um, I mean, if, if you, in GPP, I'm probably running out Simeon Varlamov because I think people are going to go crazy on the Rangers day one and Ultimately, you're probably going to end up looking at like a 3-2 game with the Islanders and the Rangers. Um, other places here for goalies, like I don't probably looking at a GPP, right? And I know some people are going to kind of forget that this goalie even exists on the planet. But Cam Talbot against Los Angeles, like the Kings don't have a great team. They don't have a great offense outside of Anze Kopitar and Drew Doughty. It's not Dustin Brown who's going to start. Yeah terrorizing the league again right i mean just their lineup is not good and i mean we don't even know who's going to be part of this team yes they signed athanasio but he's not going to move the needle too much on a terrible team so just you know looking through their lineup seeing what they've added and i mean this it does not scare me i don't know if they're going to get enough shots to make it work but la did finish in the top 10 in the league in shots per game. So they were shooting the puck yeah. at the net. They just can't put it in the net because the skill's not there. And Cam Talbot is not as bad as people want to make him out to be. He, I mean, he was tough for him. He's moved to a team now in Minnesota that's better defensively. They, they, they can't score goals, but they can play defense. And that's always been the case there, right? Devin Dubnik was just subpar and his lack of skill was kind of what led to Minnesota not being able to be any good at all. Are they a playoff team? I don't know. But on night one, from a DFS perspective, while everybody else is paying up for goalies, I think Cam Talbot is one that I would at least look GPP side and, you know, not lose sleep over. Yeah, the the other, I mean, I would even be willing to take the opposite side of that. I mean, sure. give me Cal Peterson on night one. I think you're going to see, like, sub 5% ownership because I think everyone's going to go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's not a terrible way to go. Uh, I mean, you know what? Looking at New Jersey on night one for goalie, Mm -hmm. whether whether it be Corey Crawford or Mackenzie Blackwood against a Boston team that has no Pasternak or Marchand, that's nice, man. Like, people are going to forget about that and go somewhere else because they're just going to see Boston and go Boston against New yeah. Jersey and run away. So no Pasternak, no Marshawn, no Tory Krug. That's no right. No Zdeno Chara. Yeah, that's so. right. I mean, not not so much Zdeno Chara. I don't like Zdeno Chara hasn't really. Yeah, he, he doesn't move the needle, but, but um, it's still a name that I think people that sits in people's minds. Uh, I mean, otherwise, I mean, 
I'm probably not paying up for Connor Hallibuck night one. I don't know what the Calgary Flames are, but I'm not testing the waters to find out. Um, Any Colum- love between Columbus and Nashville? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's two teams that don't want to score. That, that's kind of how I see it. Like, whether it be Merzlikens or or Carposolo, I think it's going to be Carposolo. Uh, I think UC Saros probably gets the first start for Nashville. Um, yeah, they're not back-to-back. So, like, either of those goalies, I think, is fine. I mean, pricing's going to be a real dictator there. I mean, I, I, as, like, when I'm building lineups, I, I'm looking for go as cheap on goalie as I can. I'm never paying up for, for top guys because it's not worth it. Uh, I'd rather spend money on scores and, I mean goalies are random enough that you can pick the matchup, not the goalie and, and come out on the right end of it. So, um, I mean, otherwise I think the other matchup that's still kind of, I mean, you know, in a GPP, I'd wonder about going out and getting, uh, you know, going at looking at Dallas, right? Like Florida is, I don't know what Florida is. Florida is a trash can, that's but like are. they can score goals, right? Like, Barkov, Huberto, and I'm thinking Anthony Duclair as your dead enough replacement. That's a like they can still give you two, three goals. Like I'm more than happy to go out day one if they're if if Huberto and you know Duclair should he be the the right side of that or whether or maybe it's Patrick Hornquist I don't know. I'm okay stacking that. Uh, give yourself some Keith Yandel in the back end and like Florida scores goals. But uh, at the same time, I mean, uh, I mean, Dallas know, doesn't give up any. So yeah, that's... Dallas doesn't give up any. Dallas doesn't score much either. So it's like, well, if you want to go a little bit contrarian in this, when you're looking at, at goalies to play, I wouldn't be against, you know, going after, you know, Anton Kudobin filling that space in. I think you are going to see some nights, though, because Ben Bishop's still going to miss a good chunk of the season where, like, day two Dallas, that's the Dallas I'm going to stack against. Get some... Yeah. Uh, we'll find out what Jake Ottinger is. Um, but, I mean, early in the season, that that's going to be a way to go. It's either going to be uh, a gold mine or it's going to be a dumpster fire. You're not. I don't think you're going to find space in the middle, depending, I mean, obviously, depending on who Dallas is playing. But I'm so I'm so ready for a dumpster fire. God, I can't wait for my lineup to be dead 30 minutes into the <laughs> God, I miss this so much. Yes. Um. So yeah, I mean that's the first two days of the schedule. I mean that takes us through, you know, more or less 15 games or so, 15 to 17 games. Uh, lots of fun to be had. We don't even have times yet on day two. Um. I expect it's a full night slate, given it's not a holiday yet. Uh, we'll see kind of the funniness happen on the Monday, as I believe January 18th is Martin Luther King Jr. Day in the U.S., so we'll see a whole bunch of day games mixed in with the night games. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be fun. I, I look forward to seeing what the pricing is when it comes out. Um, I, I look forward to that first Saturday uh, seeing how much <laughs> uh, I can guarantee that first Saturday you are going to have uh, massive Toronto stacks against Ottawa. Uh, Carolina's back-to-back again against Detroit. You know, we start to really get into the nitty-gritty of the schedule when you've got teams playing themselves, playing each other two, three, or three or four times consecutively. Um, you know, thankfully... Uh, I guess it won't be Saturday, but probably the next time. Yeah, it'll be Monday. I think you get your first Matthew Kachuk fight against Vancouver. Uh, so, <laughs> I mean, every team that plays Calgary multiple times, I just feel like there's going to be a Matthew Kachuk fight. So I can't wait for Brady and Matthew to fight each other if they do. <laughs> That's Dad what I want to see. Stands. It turns into more of a WWE event than anything else. I want to watch those two chirp each other and see who has the better chirp and like who gets under whose skin more. Oh, that's yeah. all. I, that, that's all I want. 
that would that that would be a great delayed Christmas gift just to watch those two go at it. <laughs> Maybe it'll happen. We'll see, right? I mean, I'm rooting for it. Um, so the other thing I think I we wanted to talk about to, tonight, Chris, was taking a, a little bit look at the rookies. So uh, as mentioned, the World Junior Championships is going on. Uh, we've seen some spectacular performances uh, coming from you know, the, the powerhouse teams in, you know, Canada, the U S uh, we did see an upset of, of the Czech Republic beat Russia. Uh, Sweden's look good so far. Um, but, uh, when it comes to rookies, so from a DFS perspective, uh, I don't know. I think we're getting at some discount on some of these guys. I, uh, I don't think we are going to get a discount on Alexi Lafreniere. Uh, and you can, Actually, do you want to go ahead and give me the proper pronunciation here? Of the pronunciation. So it's Alexis Lafreniere. Okay, if so it's there's true, an If it's true French, you can get away with saying Lafreniere and you'll be okay. Yeah. The good okay. people in New York will get will get away with it. Okay. Um, I don't think we're going to get... Well, I'll be interested to see how he gets priced out, actually. Because uh, I'm thinking he's probably going to be on the third line. Uh, but, I mean, time will tell what that ultimately looks like for him. Uh, I mean, Igor Shosturkin being the most prominent rookie, most likely, um, you know, I think the expectation is he's starting night one for the Rangers. Uh, I think they wanted to start him night one in the playoffs last year, uh, but he had some sort of issue uh, with how ambiguous the NHL is willing to be about injuries and things like that. It's hard to tell. Uh, but the one I, I like, the one that really interests me is Kapril Kaprasov. So yeah. I, he could see line one with Kevin Fiala uh, and no center because there's no centers in Minnesota. Just write that one off. I mean, Nick Benino could be your number one, your one C there. Marcus Johansson, possibly your one C. Um, but I mean, Fiala was really good last year. Um, I, I know there's some skepticism about him out there. Uh, because he was uh, like when you, his advanced metrics make it look silly. Like he was like taking up basically 90% of all scoring for Minnesota. Uh, and I think when you look at their lineup, that makes a little bit more sense. Like who else was going to score there? Um, but Kaprasov seeing first line time is really interesting to me. And if he is priced really low, I'm going to be using him in DFS at least early on, see how things play out. Uh, because he's not, I mean, when we think of rookies, I think we think of like the 18 year old kids, like, like Lafreniere, right, right. but he's 23, right? He's played five years in the KHL. He's a seasoned pro at this point. Reminds uh, me a lot of Artemi Panarin when he showed up in, yeah. in Chicago. Yeah. So I wonder if that's not, uh, a really nice place to look really early on in DFS. I mean, for season long, I, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be lead dependent. He's worth a flyer if nothing else. But um, depending on how that pricing works out, you could see some some nice discount there early. Um, Quinton Byfield, should he actually make the Kings? Um, and part of the things that I think makes all of this so confusing is uh, junior hockey is not happening in Canada right now, at least to the best of my knowledge. I don't. Is it? Is it? Have they started it back up in Quebec yet? I don't think so. Yeah, like it's. They or don't not have. Not that I'm aware of. They've pushed the dates in Ontario. They pushed the dates in the WHL. So like, teams are kind of stuck. Like I think the Kings are going to hold on to Byfield for their seven games this year, just to because they don't have anywhere else to send them. It's like, we don't want to just send you home and be like, all right, hang out on the couch and, you know, work out once a day. Um, so there could be some interesting stuff there. Uh, Trevor Zegers, another player I'd be have some interest in with the with the Ducks. He's looked really good for Team USA. Um, also a player, he signed his entry-level deal, so he can't go back to Wisconsin. Uh, so he's either... I think he's going to probably at least hang out with the Ducks for his seven games. Uh, I think we had a date come out today on the AHL. Uh, let me just validate this really quick. I think it's about the middle of February. Yeah, early February. They still, there's still a lot of stuff that needs to be sorted out versus like 
you know, where some teams are going to play, if they're going to play, how they're going to put the schedule together. Because obviously you can try to put a Canadian division together a little bit like the NHL did. But, you know, you also don't want those Canadian teams playing each other like 13 times. Right. So there's kind of a scheduling issue to go there. Um, You named a lot of rookies there, Andrew. You didn't talk about the most popular one, which is Tim Stutzel. Um, So before we get too far down that road, so as as the resident Senators fan, uh, and believe me, I got enough tears in my pillow to account for that. I I prefer to call him Studzel. Uh, I don't know if he's... Did you see the goal he scored last night? I I did, because it's been on... (laughs) Twitter highlight and I'm looking at him first of all here's a couple of things that I like about him a he's a minus three so if you care about that stat you know he's going to fit very well in Ottawa right he's got eight penalty minutes in four games so he's showing a little bit of that hashtag grit that coaches like and also right like there is this I was somebody was saying how there's no room for him at center in Ottawa and then I went down the center list in Ottawa and said oh okay and then went back and looked at him like he skates, he's powerful, even against Canada, where Canada just basically embarrassed them because, I mean, they didn't have a team. Right? Yeah. They had nine forwards and five defense and they still showed up. I mean, he was good. You could see him on the ice. He does a lot of things. He's a great skater. He's powerful. He moves up and down the ice. He does stuff when this when the puck is on a stick. And if the Ottawa Senators are serious about, you know, helping these kids develop, I mean, he's NHL ready in my eyes, and there is a nice spot between Brady Kachuk and Evgeny Dodonov that needs to be filled. And it's not Derek Stepan, it's not Josh uh, Norris, and it's not Colin White, it's not whatever other, it's not Galchenyuk if you want to give him a 35th million opportunity to play center. Like, it's him, and he should be playing the center position, right? Nowhere else. Give him well, the best players and let him roll up and down the ice. He's responsible enough to play both sides of it as well. There's going to be growing pains, right? Because he's going to have to face off against McDavid. He's going to have to face off against Austin Matthews. He's going to have to face off against some pretty good players, and it's going to struggle. But for the most part, Ottawa's rebuilding, and any NHL experience that this kid can get playing with you know, those two players, arguably their best players on the team, Roll him out there. Let's see what he can do. He's he's he, he's a man amongst boys here, basically, in this tournament. Not that he's taken it apart, but he's done enough to be there, right? This German yeah. team is not – I mean, they got a slacking. So he's doing enough to be good on a German team that's kind of just, you know, they're there. Germany has three forwards, by the way, doing yeah, everything. Yeah, they're all the, the rest same of them are just, Yeah, yeah. yeah. There you go. So they are the they are the Colorado one line basically of the world juniors. Like those yeah. three guys are just gonna play together and try to tear up as you know, do as much as they can while Germany tries to avoid relegation. But uh if I can get pieces of Tim Stussel this year, yes. Yeah, I mean I guess I do have some I mean, positive side, I I do have a lot of preference for the kids that play in Europe because they play against men. Right. Uh, right? Like when, when he's playing in Adder Mannheim, he's not playing against like 16 year old kids. He's playing against like 25 to 30 year old men uh, who don't care about anything else other than making their paycheck and ensuring that they continue to make their paycheck. So like it's there, there's no, if hands or butts about that part of it. I do wonder what Ottawa was such a funny organization. Like to say there's no room is like saying that like, you know, your local holiday inn's fully booked up right now. Right? Like it's not true. It was just it's just a that... weird conversation that somebody was having. And I was like, cause I looked after I looked, I was like, wait a minute, who does play center for the Ottawa centers? Let me go back yeah. here. Is that how long it's been since Ottawa's played meaningful hockey? So I went back and I looked and I was like, wait a minute, they also added Derek Stepan. And I was like, there's <laughs> like there's nobody here. Like you're telling me that, you know, yes, Colin White is good. Yes, Josh Norris is good, but are they like above and beyond him that you're like, well, we can't give him a shot? Yeah. I no. mean, I, I can I I can see the case for saying like, hey, let's let's start him in the wing. Let's let's not throw him into the fire right away. Uh I mean, especially like, hey, night one, welcome hey. 
you know, have you met uh, Austin Matthews? He might be the first person you take a uh, face off against. Um, you know, that's maybe not the best way to get acquainted to things, give you full rest responsibility right away. Uh, but again, we'll see what happens, right? Like by seven days into the season, by the 20th of January, we'll have a lot better idea what Ottawa is doing. Uh, they were played four games. We'll kind of, you know, we're going to start to understand what lines look like, um, you know. And I fully expect him to struggle maybe a little bit. Like you said, he's got to line up against Austin Matthews. He's got to line up against John Tavares. Like, these are not nobodies, right? These are some well-established players in the NHL, right? Then he goes over, right? Ottawa's, I think their first game is against Toronto, going down the schedule yeah. here. Then they play Winnipeg. Right, so he's got to face off against Mark, Mark Shifley, right? Again, not an easy task. You got to do that two games in a row. And then, no, three games, sorry. Man, they play Winnipeg a bunch. And then, I mean, Vancouver, there's there's a lot of, yeah. there's going to be a lot of tough matchups for him, which is, again, fine. But, I mean, like you said, sending him back to Europe or something, right? Because there is a clause, I think, in his contract that allows him to go back to Europe. He's not playing in the yeah. NHL. Like, does he have to go back to Europe and accomplish something there? I don't know. He could. But I think the a, a little bit to your point, right? There's a lot of players who may not have the opportunity of going back to juniors and playing hockey and just training. And if you can just keep them around the team for as long as possible, and let them soak that up and let them at least, you know, try. I'd much rather them do that than just say, hey, we're going to baby him. We're going to put some bubble wrap on him just to make sure we don't hurt him. Like, yeah. you know, let him roll out there. And I think the other the other part of this equation, too, is it's going to be really important for Ottawa to get him acquainted to North American culture. Right. Like the sooner that happens, the better off he's going to be. Um, I mean, take him to the Tanger outlet mall. <laughs> yeah, he's going to he's going to. Uh, you know, he's going to live all those great Ottawa dreams, you know, down at Byron Market. Um, you know, you get to see Parliament really early on. You know, all those all those great things that everyone... That traffic did. to Canada to get to the arena. Oh, all geez. the great stuff that yeah. Ottawa has to offer. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, I've only... So, I mean, like, I've only ever been to one Senators game. I live... <laughs> so put this in perspective i live about seven hours from ottawa uh they played the canadians that night we stayed at i don't know some like a best western because god canada is the worst place like there's nothing around that arena like i don't know what they thought when they built it and why they didn't put everything like right up to the arena but uh yeah uh yeah i i assume they're probably gonna be like all right Tim, we're going to put you someplace close here because otherwise you're going to be late day one. But yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, I mean, that's, that's just what it's going to be like. So um, we'll see what happens there. I mean, there's, there's plenty of interesting names. I mean, I, I noted Evan Bouchard. What are the, I don't know what the others are going to do with Bouchard. I saw Bouchard play in London. Uh, he was at that point I saw him, he was way too good for the OHL. I mean, I saw him play against Kitchener in, like, his first game back after spending 10 days in Edmonton, and he just danced around forwards as a defenseman going into the zone, just roofed it, no problem, scored a goal. Um, I sense, like, Bush, they sent Bouchard to, to Europe to play. I think that's to keep him fresh, get him some more experience because of no AHL season. Uh, I think you'll see Bouchard on the season. He'll probably be PP2. Uh, but we'll see what happens with Barry. Um, but yeah, there's, there's just so much unknown right now because of unknown with the AHL because of unknown with, you know, the CHL in, in general, um, that'll be interesting to see what happens, right? Like the Kings could hold on to, to, to Turcotte. Uh, I mean, a- any team that's like, what is Washington going to hold on to Connor McMichael? Uh, I, I don't know what's going to happen with a lot of these guys, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens largely uh, because I think for the most part, you've got uh, a few candidates for, for the Calder that really stand out uh, that we've noted. I mean, obviously everyone's on Shusterkin. Everyone's going to be on Lafreniere. He's the first overall pick. 
and if my memory serves me correctly, he's the first French Canadian first overall pick since Vincent LeCavier. Your your history of Quebec born players to be drafted first overall is correct, yes. Excellent. Um, so obviously there's a lot of expectation that goes there. Uh, as I noted with Caprizov, I, I kind of have the opposite concern. And I think maybe we saw this a little bit with Kako last year was like the transition of, I used to live in Finland. Now I live in New York city is probably one that's pretty big. Uh, we don't ever hear this talked about a lot in hockey. I, mean, I hear it talked about in baseball with guys coming over from the Dominican or coming over from Cuba and how much of a culture shock there is. But no one ever talks about this in hockey as to like, hey, you went from like living in this village of 60, like 40,000 people to living in New York City. Um, that's That's got to be massive culture shock. So we'll see how that plays out. I do think the Rangers have, I mean... What's good for Lafreniere at this point is that he's not walking into a situation where he has to be this player, right? right? And I think his style of play is, as well, along with Capo uh, Caco, is definitely very different, per se, if you want to use it like that. I do think he he's probably going to get a crack at the top six at some point. And the Rangers have such a deep top six as well uh, that even if it doesn't go well for him all the time, you can move him around the lineup. And even if he plays on the third line, right? I mean, maybe playing with Julian Gauthier, right? It's not yeah. a real step up here, but you're going to create some space for him, which is kind of what you want to do as well, right? He's not facing the top line every night. He's not facing the top defense pairing every night as well. You're going to give him some space to let him grow in, which is nice when you're on a team like the Rangers who have an enormous amount of talent, right? So he didn't go to Detroit and get buried on the top line and have to face off against the you know, best players every time. He can grow into <laughs> yeah. this position here, which I think is nice for him. Uh, and the same thing, you can put him on, you know, you can give him a shot on that top power play playing with some of those absolute studs and Zabinajad and Panarin, right? He's got, he's got a whole mess of skill around him. And I think that can take off a little bit of that pressure, right? Does he stumble maybe like Kako did in his first season? Perhaps. It's not uncommon, right? We see young players struggle sometimes at the NA, at the NHL level. We're still waiting for Jack Hughes to kind of find his his stride, right? But I do think that Lafreniere is going to be just fine. I don't know where I'm drafting him. I usually like to stay away from rookies, especially the first overall pick and draft, just because it's such a wild card. And where they go, usually I'm not ready to take the opportunity cost of taking him versus an established player that could put up 55 or 60 plus points in a season. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see where he goes, how the Rangers use him. I think as we get you know closer to the season starts, some practice lines, some power play lines start to come out, we'll get a sense of where he's going to be used. Uh, but I am excited to watch this entire Rangers top six plus one operate on a nightly basis oh for sure i mean <laughs> outside of the last two years i can't imagine like there was never a time in my life where it's like i really want to watch the new york rangers uh but last year this year i mean th this rangers seems to be a lot of fun to watch uh and i agree i mean they're just just loaded with talent like brett howden like he's the fourth line center he was like a top 15 pick three years ago I was like, well, you're certainly not good enough to make it into the top two here, so uh, we're pushing you down for now. Uh, but the Rangers will balance out a bit here. Don't forget, for sure. they did acquire Jack Johnson, so he's gonna he's gonna really anchor that blue line the wrong way. So I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be okay. Uh, They'll be human I mean, at sometimes. I, I mean, I guess the only other player I mean that comes to mind here when I'm talking about the Rangers is like, where do you stand on like? Tony D'Angelo. I mean, he he very much is he, he was kind of came out of nowhere last year, uh, took the top power play. I mean, there's a lot of love out there for Adam Fox. Um, I think there's I mean, Jacob Truba was initially the, the top power play guy. Uh, but what do you think of D'Angelo? He's kind of been a hot topic player along along the way. I I'm having a hard time trying to gauge 
where exactly I want to take him, right? Because, I mean, he did come out of nowhere last season a little bit, right? Like, he put up 53 points, okay? For a defenseman, he's really, really good. 15 of those were goals, which is also very good. Like, he's 25 as well, so he's not a 21-year-old kid, right? He's He he played last season, right? So previous season before, right? He had never scored more than nine goals in the NHL, right? And then he put up 15 in one season. So I think, again, playing in the Rangers, you know, playing on a star-studded Rangers team probably helps him a lot. Um, there's always that question of what is Adam Fox going to do, right? And again, he's a good enough player to be able to contribute. Again, maybe you won't get the goals from it, but he also had 30, uh, 42 points in his rookie season. Okay, So you have two young defensemen who can clearly move the puck, contribute offensively, and then you got Jacob Truba as well, who you can't kind of just leave to the side. You brought him in. Again, he's only 26. Like I feel like I looked at this and I was like, man, I feel like Truba's been around for like a million years, but he yeah. actually hasn't, right? And I guess you can say he struggled a little bit. People who were thinking he was going to go to the Rangers and you know continue to rack up you know, assists at least, right? Truba doesn't score a bunch of goals, but he does rack up points. It just didn't happen in New York, right? It didn't happen in that first season. If you drafted him a little bit too early, his 27 points probably left a sour taste in your mouth, and his minus 12, if your league counts that as well, didn't help. So I think there's a, a case for Jacob Truba to kind of bounce back, but there's only one spot on that top power play unit just because this team is so gifted offensively that you can run any type of combination of forwards out there. And whichever defenseman gets that top power play spot is the one I want to target. Now, do I want to draft Anthony D'Angelo super early as to where he's going? I don't know yet. I don't know how much of him is actually the real deal. And how much of it is him just, well, I had a good first season playing on that top power play unit, right? Um, His 15 goals are really good. I think only Zach Wierenski maybe had more than him. And he scored like almost 20. 20. Yeah, I think he scored 20. I think he scored 20. He had like 40 points, though, because he didn't pick up any assists. But for a defenseman, like I said, he's he's getting a lot of hype, Anthony D'Angelo. He deserves it because he's earned it in that one season. But... I mean, I'm I'm seeing him go inside the top 40 overall, and Ooh. I I that's a little bit I, I, that's a yeah. little bit deep there for me to kind of want to move in on him. There are a lot of like I said established defensemen. I've seen I've seen him go just a couple of picks ahead of players like we mentioned Brent Burns and Eric Carlson, which I know again two players coming off of if you want to call it down seasons for them, sure. But they they have the potential to hit those numbers, right? Brent Burns has yeah. the potential to basically be a forward playing a defense position, and Eric Carlson can rack up points. And I just I'm not sold on D'Angelo's consistency just yet to be drafting him that early in in my league at least, at least yeah. not in the 12 team league. Yeah, and it, I mean. If he was the only defenseman on that blue line, right? Like if they, this, you, yeah, like if the Rangers had two other Jack Johnsons, then I'd be like, fine. It does like, sure, go ahead. Like there's nobody taking his spot. But I mean, Truba's there and he can take it at any moment. Adam Fox is there as well. He can take it at any moment. Ryan Lindgren's not terrible either, by the way. So there's a lot of very skilled defensemen on this Rangers blue line that can take that spot. And I just don't want to be worrying about it all season. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if he, as noted, if he was Neil, Neil Pionk, who the Rangers traded away in that Truba trade, uh, who has, there's nobody around. It's like, all right, you know what? For sure. It's gonna, he's the guy, you know, I, I can bank it. I can walk away. But yeah, it, with the Rangers, I mean, I also, with the, how talented that forward group is, if they were like, you know what? We're going to run with five forwards. That's what we're going to do now. I don't think that would surprise me. Right. Uh, it's like, you know, we got guys who can shoot. We'll move the puck around. It'll be fine. You know, we, we used to always have that staple of two defense. Now we're down to one. We can probably make this work without any. I think we've seen a little bit of experimentation with that in the past uh, with the five forward group on the power play. But um, yeah, I can't I mean, wait for that to come to the NHL. Five forwards. 
I can't wait to. I I know what team's going to do it first, right? Like it's going to be the Washington Capitals, the team that probably or Toronto, right? Two teams that care very little about defense or how it functions. Um, but I would I would be super down with Toronto going with a five man power play of just forwards because uh, you know it would be absolute havoc right like these like i can imagine like john Tavares and mitch marner manning the points and then i don't know nylander makes Whoa. a terrible pass in the slot and they're going back to v2 and you just see these forwards try to figure out how to stop it it would it, it would be amazing the risk reward would be like phenomenal but i mean honestly though like if Morgan Riley gets hurt for an extended period of time. Would you su- be surprised to see them do that? I think they would try to get Jake Muzzin or TJ Brody to figure it out. <laughs> or maybe I, I Zach Bogosian. Like they could go to like a Rasmus Sandin. They could. If they really wanted to. Assuming he's in the I, lineup, they could go to yeah. him again. Or like a Timothy Lilgren, like defensemen who have offensive upside if they really had to. But I mean, like, I, I guess if I'm the Maple Leafs and you start giving up shorthanded goals because you didn't have anyone who knew anything about defense, like, do you want to go back to that that bench with like old man Joe Thornton and like Wayne Simmons sitting there looking down the bench at like, you? Like, you know, that? Joe Thornton like, is going to be the one? net front presence. Like, you just know, or he's going to be manning like, you know, the board side, right? Like the mid board yeah. side there, kind of being the guy who kind of pushes it to the bumper you know that's it that's that's exactly it him or jason spezzo either one and if you want to maybe add some you know some grit as coaches like you can put wayne simmons just net front presence and just roll the puck around him a little bit and see what happens think about how good that line that line would have been in like 2006 right like jason spezzo with joe thornton and wayne simmons the 2006 Maple Leafs, when they're still probably rolling out like the ghost of Vesa Toscala. I was so happy when Wayne Simmons was like, I'll take less money to go to Toronto instead of Montreal. And then that just <laughs> left Mark Bergevin extra money to sign Corey Perry. And I was like, well, the universe wanted this to happen in some way. So here yeah. you go. At least That's... there's no confusion about it, about its hate for you. I'm just, man, like I was looking. So obviously when it happens, right. The DMs start. That's how I knew something happened, right? The Twitter notifications started going off, and I started to get the at mentions, and I was like, I'm not popular enough for this to be happening. What's going on? And then I opened it, and I started to see them, you know, this, you know, Montreal had signed Corey Perry, and I'm sitting there going, okay, but like, why does this need to happen? Like, 2020 has been already stressful enough. Why do you need to add someone who's spearing his opponent five minutes into the Winter Classic? Like, tell me what he needs. And then it was all this conversation about, Oh, but you know, Perry brings this, you know, he's a power play guy. And I'm like, Oh, wait a minute. And we're going to give him power play minutes. Cause at first some people were like, Oh, but he's good insurance. You know, he can be part of the taxi squad. He could be a guy who fills in to, Oh, Corey Perry can help the Munchal Canadians power play, which was God awful for like the last two seasons. So again, I would much rather see a young player, take that spot on the Montreal power play. It's not hard to figure out who should be there, but now this just means there's one less opportunity for Suzuki and Kakanyemi to play together on the power play. Not to mention you went out and got Josh Anderson, Tyler Toffoli. You still have Gallagher and Tatar there. One day, Jonathan Drew is going to figure it out. Like you have so many players you can choose from and they're like, yeah, but Corey Perry fixes our power play. Here he is. <laughs> We really need that net front presence on team. We, like when he's not suspended presence. for doing something, right? When he's not, you know, spearing one of the Kachuk brothers, he's going to be on the power play yeah. trying to contribute <laughs> from the bumper spot. Oh, man. that's You know, it really is going to be a good time watching somebody on every Canadian team fight the Kachuk brothers. Uh, it's just probably going to be something we can look forward to night in, night out. I'm happy they get to do it at least, like, what nine times this season like yep. it's got to happen once if, if it doesn't happen you know it's because their mother or father like you know keith was like hey boys don't like don't do this don't yeah. don't fight each other mom's you not do gonna it be once happy. yeah do it once get it out of the way you know, like 
elbow him in the corner and then just leave, you know? Yeah. But I can't I can't wait to see those two like line up and just start trash talking each other. That's that's the only time I've ever been super excited to turn on the TV and be like, yes, this Ottawa Calgary game is on, please. Yeah, this is the reason I'm up waiting for this like 930 start in Calgary. Uh, Hopefully they get this out of the way early. If only if only FanDuel still counted power play uh, penalty minutes, right? You could just <laughs> yeah. play those two in your lineup and just not worry about how many points they're going to get, but just make sure that they fight each other and pick up a game misconduct while they're at it, you know? Yeah, yeah. see if somebody can spear each other to start the fight. It's, it's, it's definitely Brady who does it first, always. Oh, I don't know. I feel like Matthew's definitely like the, the cheaper of the two, but... Maybe that's and it's a opinion. shame that they both also have a ton of skill. Like, you're like, God, like you want to hate them, but you're like, man, I would take both of them uh, on my team any yeah. day. A lot of fun to watch. They are. Because, I mean, they both play the exact same game. They're really, a really heavy game. They both score goals. Um, I mean, I, I think there's some upside to each of them this year. Uh, we don't, I mean, nobody knows what Calgary is. Calgary doesn't know what Calgary is. No, Ottawa doesn't know what Ottawa is, but we do know that we're going to probably see 20 minutes a night uh, for, for Brady, probably about 16 to 18 for Matthew. So yeah, it'll be fun. Uh, I mean, I've joked with my wife, her last name, I think is the like, original is like the anglo version of like that ukrainian version of kachuk that like we'll get matching kachuk jerseys one of one of us can wear matthew one of us can wear brady and we can also fight all night it'll be fun so anyways Matthew kachuk had 105 penalty minutes his first season in in calgary (laughs) 105 yeah like He's gotten better, right? Like, he had, what, he had 61 points uh, last season, a little bit down from the 77, but still, like, he he he, he averages over 70, 70 penalty minutes per season, which is, like, that's not, it's not outrageous, but, like, all that time he could have been on the ice could have probably helped them hit easily 70 points per season, but he has to find the time to go to the penalty box and just lock himself in there for a minute. Like 13 goals in his, right. His first season, he played 76 games, 13 goals, 35 assists, 48 points, 105 penalty minutes. Like that's your yeah. first season. Welcome to the NHL. I'm going to rack up a hundred pins. I mean, let's say he played in the OHL for one season. He had 107 or sorry 80 penalty minutes in 57 games yeah and he still put up 107 points points. and then he went to the playoffs tore the playoffs apart as well like he was really good that year oh and i contributed 42 penalty minutes while i was here like he is a he is a stat stuffer across the board if you're in a categories league like matthew kachuk does a little bit of everything literally goals assists points penalty minutes I mean, plus minus shouldn't count, but Pims hits like he's just he's stuffing categories. You just imagine those days in like Arizona with like, you know, Keith Kachuk out there just being like, all right, kids. <laughs> now we're going to here's how you spear the other person. Like, I, I don't like some of these numbers are just silly, right? Like 80 penalty minutes in 57 games. In a, in a year where you're dominated your competition to have 107 points. Like, if he had 40 penalty minutes, how many more points would he have had? And Brady's no better. Like, he had 106 last season. Yeah. The points aren't there yet, but I still, like, I'm getting, like, he's only 21. Like, I'm going to give him a moment to kind of, you know, get his stuff together. He's, you know, his brother's got a couple of seasons under his belt more than him. But, I mean, Brady's a big boy as well, and he's... Like he he threw his weight around and he was doing what he needed to do. So that Brady uh, hasn't even filled out yet. He's still listed at six three one ninety two. He's probably gonna add another like twenty pounds. I mean, one day Otto is gonna be okay. So again, Tim Stussel needs to play with this guy, this bad boy, and Evgeny Dodonov can be the 
the calming father presence. Yeah. And, you know, if he can just keep up with those two, that'd be good. That's all I need from him. All right, Chris, we better cut this thing off. Uh, I think I'm already getting emails from John saying, why are you guys at this for over an hour again? There's just there's too many good things to talk about. That's it. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So we'll we'll do this again next week. Uh, at some point soon, we do we will move this thing to Sunday night so we can better prep everybody for for the week ahead. Um, but uh, thanks again for the listen, and uh, you'll hear from us again soon. Remember, never play San Jose one ever. That's all.